from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia, this is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. I'm your host, Mark Curtis. Our first segment this week, we're not going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about our beloved law enforcement community here in the state of West Virginia. I want to introduce Rodney Miller. He's the executive director of the West Virginia Sheriff's Association, former sheriff of Boone County. Good to have you on the program, Rodney. Well, thanks for having me. It's a, a tragic occasion that, that brings you here. Uh, last week, we lost uh, Deputy uh, Tom Baker, mm -hmm. Nicholas County Sheriff's Deputy, killed in the line of duty. Um, uh, you've spent a good bit of time the last week now in, in Nicholas County. Uh, how are people doing there? How is the Sheriff's Department, uh, law enforcement uh, community holding up? Uh, it's rough. It's rough any time that you experience something like this. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're <laughs> we, law enforcement's in, uh, law enforcement death is a lot in the headlines over this past week. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's tough all over. Um, families trying to make their way through, departments trying to, uh, you know, put on a good face, uh, get back to trying to serve the community. Um, but, it, but it's hard. I mean, we're, we're talking about human beings here, so it's hard on anyone, especially when you have to deal with that kind of, uh, of an issue. Yeah, we're kind of dealing with a double dose of it this week because the trial for the man accused of killing mm -hmm. Charleston officer Cassie Johnson is ongoing. It's now underway here in Charleston, so the memories of her and, and her tragic death are in the headlines as well as uh, the, the deputy in Nicholas County. It, it's just, it's overwhelming sometimes, I think, uh, for people in law enforcement because you've worn the uniform. Mm -hmm. I've worn the uniform, mm -hmm. you, 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 you think there, but for the grace of God go I when, when somebody gets killed in the line of duty. Yeah, and those of us that have uh, been fortunate enough to retire, it, it's almost like that uh, you've escaped without injury. Uh, and, and it makes it worse when you when you see these things uh, that happened at the uh, the way the community's torn apart with the processional uh, that we had returning his body last Sunday to Nicholas County. You could just see the faces of the community, and it was just uh, it, it's heartbreaking. I, until something like this happens, unfortunately, I'm not sure the public really gets it, but you could see it. You, you could. You could see it, you could feel it as you're making your way home with uh, with uh, Deputy Baker. It's an interesting mix of emotions because you say it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's very uplifting. I was on I-64 mm -hmm. last Sunday mm -hmm. when the procession was forming and all these Charleston police cars and mm -hmm. fire vehicles and the response from other police departments, other sheriff's departments, mm -hmm. it's the, the, the law enforcement community, and it's not just them, it's the moms and dads that brought their kids out to stand on the sidewalk and wave and salute yes. as the procession went by, as the hearse went by, carrying his body back to Nicholas County. That's got to be heartwarming. Uh, I know it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, heartwarming. It is. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking as to why we're there, uh, but then when you see that kind of response, and that was all the way up 79, all the way down Route 19. Uh, the flags, the children, veterans. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but those are the people you don't normally see. In law enforcement, unfortunately, you deal with the bad guys all the time. So that's, that's kind of the way you get uh, painted um, mentally when you're dealing with folks. But when you see that kind of response, uh, you, you figure out quickly that's why you do it. One of the things that just struck me as remarkable, Sunday night at 9.30, they had a candlelight vigil mm -hmm. at the courthouse mm -hmm. in Summersville, and there stood Corporal Ellison, the other mm -hmm. officer who was wounded. He was shot, mm -hmm. he survived, he went to the hospital, but he made it, he was standing there in uniform, 
uh, saluting his partner. Yeah, I haven't spoken with him, uh, but but I'm sure that it was something that uh, he was compelled to do. He had to be there. Uh, he was there, be there at the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. And that's that's just the metal of what most law enforcement officers are, are made of. Uh, that uh, it, it respect, honor, and remember. Uh, we, we have to learn from uh, these kind of mistakes or these kind of incidents and, uh, and, and move forward because, unfortunately, there's still going to be a need for law enforcement in our society. Yeah, the calls keep coming in. That's uh, the one situation when I was a 911 dispatcher when, when I had an officer mm -hmm. down, and that's the call you never want to hear is right. other calls keep coming in. Right. People call, I think we're having a burglary, or I think, you know, the, the domestic violence cases, the calls just keep coming, and it's hard. Yeah, the world doesn't stop uh, because we have a tragedy like this. Uh, right now, we've got other uh, sheriff's offices that are helping out uh, by way of mutual aid in Nicholas County, so the calls are still coming in, but, uh, but there's folks from around the state that are coming to Nicholas County and helping those folks out. Well, on behalf of everyone uh, here at Next Star Media uh, television stations in West Virginia, we send our prayers and our condolences to Deputy Tom Baker's family and thank him for his service to the community. And, and we stand with law enforcement. Well, we love you guys. Thank you very God much. You. Rodney Miller, Executive Director of the West Virginia Sheriff's Association. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend to Inside West Virginia Politics. We're going to talk economic development for a couple of segments now. I want to introduce Frazier Atkinson. He is the CEO of Green Power Motor Company. He joins us today from Vancouver, Canada. Frazier, great to have you on the program. And thanks for having us. It was one of the most exciting economic development uh, announcements in years here in West Virginia. Green Power is going to open up operations here. Um, you make electric school buses, among other things. Talk about what Green Power does and what your plans are for West Virginia. Well, at a high level, our company uh, designs, manufactures, and distributes a suite of all-electric vehicles. Uh, the two school buses that we brought to market, we call the larger one the Beast and the smaller one the Nano Beast. Uh, those two products are really the focus of our efforts in West Virginia. And as far as what brought us to West Virginia is that uh, Brendan Riley, our president, and I had been looking at facilities across the nation. And we finally determined on a mix where we needed a really strong local partnership you know, with the, the city, the state, and uh, the, the rest of the business community, along with a property that was production ready. So we found that in uh, West Virginia, and it's a great footprint for what we want to try and pursue on the Eastern seaboard, as we're a West Coast-based company with operations in LA and Vancouver. Well, we're very excited about it. Um, you're gonna be operating, I believe, in South Charleston, and do you know approximately how many people you're going to employ here? Well, the target is that ultimately with, uh, we, we need a little bit more space than the building currently provides, but ultimately the uh, goal is on double shifting uh, six days a week. We have an opportunity of being in the six to 800 employee range, but initially we need to get to, you know, 200 to 250 employees uh, to manage our uh, production that we see just for the orders that are in hand or near in over the next couple years. 
Are you hoping that people move into West Virginia? I mean, th th that's a lot of jobs, and I don't know th that in and of itself the state has that many available employees right now. It might, but uh, might this be a magnet to attract people to move to West Virginia, and is that part of your, your game plan? Well, to some extent, we've done this before in that we've got a final assembly in uh, San Joaquin Valley in, in California. That's where we do our final assembly on all of our vehicles. And so it's a really a, a, bit, a broad mix of personnel that we require. We, we have some high-end technical uh, requirements in terms of electrical engineers and mechanical engineers and the like, uh, but we also have you know, line workers that, uh, you know, have a completely different skill set. So, you know, we're pretty optimistic that, you know, we're going to get the mix that we need, uh, you know, in the state. Talk about the demand and, for your product. And don't forget, there, there, there is a history of automotive uh, manufacturing in the state. Yes. You know, we're not the first one to come to West Virginia. So, they're, you know, in, in looking around and in talking to some prior plant managers and operators from the state is that it does have a, you know, a history with uh, some automotive manufacturers. Yes, we have uh, Toyota here and Hino Motors and both employ a lot of people and uh, are doing quite well. Um, how many school districts across the country are, are starting to get attracted to the notion of having electric school buses? Well, school buses are probably the most expensive product that we sell relative to the traditional internal combustion engine equivalent. So we sell a type A, which is a smaller vehicle, and a type D, which is the largest. So it really covers, as, as I mentioned earlier, the gamut. What uh, uh, the, the industry or the market uh, opportunity is that there's 485,000 school buses and operations in the nation. And uh, there are likely maybe a thousand of those that are electric, uh, more likely less than that. And yet we have state after state, such as New York recently mandating uh, uh, a move to electrifying its school bus fleet. So with that combined with the money that is coming in both federally and in many cases statewide is uh, we see a huge uptick that is occurring as we speak. Well, we're very excited to have you, and I want to extend the invitation next time you're in uh, Charleston for a visit. Uh, come see us. Come sit in the studio and talk more about green power. I want to thank Fraser Atkinson. He's the CEO of the Green Power Motor Company, moving soon to West Virginia, opening up operations here, hiring hundreds of people. We're, we're going to have the red carpet out here to welcome you, okay? Well, thanks for having us on the program. All right, Fraser, thanks. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics, more talk of economic development after this break. Don't go away. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend to Inside West Virginia Politics. Let's continue our discussion about economic development here in the Mountain State. I want to introduce the State Secretary for Economic Development, Mitch Carmichael. Good to have you on the program. I haven't had you on since you, you're in your new role. Well, it's great to be on their program, Mark. We have lots of great things going on. Well, we just heard from the CEO from uh, Green Power, so let's start there. What does that, just that company's moving into West Virginia mean to this state? Well, I think it's a big deal uh, from a couple of different perspectives. One, it uh, obviously demonstrates the appeal of West Virginia to a national company, one that's currently uh, headquartered, for instance, in Canada and with operations, the majority of their operations in California. 
And we set about recruiting this uh, company in a innovative technology area. And so I think it's important to realize from uh, a national perspective that when one is looking at West Virginia, that we have uh, a flexibility and an orientation towards new technology, as well as our traditional uh, industries. Yeah, you know, there's a perception outside of the state that West Virginia is maybe anti-clean energy, anti-wind, anti-solar because we're such a big fossil fuel producing state. But that's not true at all. You see companies like uh, Dickinson Saltworks going solar, one of the legendary companies of this state. And to have green power coming in to make electric school buses is another step in that direction. Well, you're absolutely right. In fact, on the day in which Green Power announced their decision to locate in West Virginia, West Virginia also secured uh, the, an enormous win with the Nucor Steel Manufacturing, uh, which is the largest private investment to ever occur in the state of West Virginia. And they're the world's largest recycler of, uh, of products. So when you think about you know uh, a new uh, innovative way of making steel, uh, new electronic means of delivering mass uh, transit vehicles. And then on that same day, frankly, we announced uh, Owens and Minor locating in West Virginia, which is a uh, uh, one of the world's leading providers of medical uh, surgical devices and equipment. Yeah, you, in hockey, they call it a hat trick when you score three times like this <laughs> in a short period of time. It's great news. But listen, there is a, there is a study. There's also the downside to this. Wallet Hub came out this week with a study saying, West Virginia has the worst economy of any state in the nation. And, you know, I'm not really sure where they got their data. Maybe it was before Green Power and before Nucor announced and maybe before the $1 billion state surplus uh, is announced. But there seems to be a disconnect. Governor Justice was pretty hot about that yesterday when we talked to him. Well, he's incredibly defensive of West Virginia, and he should be. He's a, a great advocate for our state. And uh, I think as one, uh, and I went on and reviewed the data from uh, Wallet Hub, and uh, certainly uh, it does not reflect the current status of West Virginia's uh, resurgence, while also acknowledging the fact that we can always do better, and we should do better, and we want to continue to strive uh, to reach higher levels and higher goals, but those uh, surveys and so forth upon which those ratings are based are not real time. Uh, they reflect a historical precedent. And while I will not question the data, I will question the uh, relevance of it to the uh, current conditions uh, as we see them in West Virginia. Mitch, we're down to a minute. I've got to you know, look back at your tenure as Senate president, longtime state senator. Um, is the legislature on board? I know Speaker Hanshaw made economic development the main priority of this past legislative session. Are you getting uh, what you need out of the House and Senate in terms of legislation to make this state more business friendly? Yes, and uh, frankly, I feel very uh, gratified in uh, the service that I'm able to provide now in terms of economic development, working with the legislature, and the things that we implemented in the, over the past several years with the help uh, and leadership of Governor Justice. But uh, in those roles that I had as uh, Senate President and Majority Leader, we made enormous strides toward making West Virginia uh, a competitive environment in which to conduct business. And we always said, Mark, that once we get on uh, a level playing field and put West Virginia on par uh, with our surrounding states and with other states in the nation in terms of our legal, 
uh, climate, our education system, our tax structure, and our regulatory environment, that this state would boom. Well, let's hope the streak continues. We want to thank Mitch Carmichael, Secretary for Economic Development here in the state of West Virginia. Mitch, as always, good to talk to you. Great to talk to you, Mark. Thanks. Great thank, to be with you. Thank you. And we'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Don't go away. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back to our final segment this week on Inside West Virginia Politics, where we believe in the issue of equal time. I want to introduce Delegate Jim Barrett, Democrat from Kanawha County on the program. Good to see you and have you back on the show, Jim. So good to be here. Thank you. Last week, we had your opponent. You got one of the marquee House races. Now that we've gone to 100 single-member districts in the state, last week we had Republican Delegate Chris Pridon, who represents District 36, as you do now. Uh -huh. But now you guys are thrown together in the same district. You're going to have to run against each other, so you get equal time. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, well, just give us your, your, your pitch. I mean, why should voters send Jim Barrett back to the House of Delegates versus your opponent? Well, I think we've got a lot of issues that we really need to uh, address here. Uh, with the Republicans in charge, we need to have more Democrats in there to offset some of the things they're doing. They tried to pass the CRT bill. Uh, they, they've done some, uh, they tried to uh, decrease the uh, safety standards in the mines. We need to have we need to have people to fight against that, and I think uh, we need to really, if we can at least get up to minority status instead of super minority status, it would make it a lot harder for, uh, for them to pass some of these uh, really far right bills that that are just going to hurt the state. One of the one of the issues that has become a huge issue came from really out of nowhere. It's because of the recent mass killings, especially at the school in Texas. Uh, it, it's going to come up in the legislature. There are going to be some people that are going to try and restrict ownership of guns or maybe change the age to buy an assault rifle yeah. and other things. Where do you stand on gun control? What do you think needs to be done to address this problem? Well, you know, West Virginia is a gun state and the people here have, are, are used to guns. It's a, it's a, a lot of uh, rural areas and so they've had guns from a very uh, young age. So I don't think we have the problems a lot of states do. But my, my concern is these military assault style weapons that you have an AR-15 that with an extended clip can fire uh, 100 bullets in a matter of a minute. And these guns are made for one reason and one reason only, to kill a lot of people in a short amount of time. If you have a handgun in your house, if you have a sh uh, rifle or shotgun for hunting, you know, that's fine. But if, if we're talking about these weapons of mass murder, I think we really need to look at uh, restricting or eliminating them like they did in Australia, New Zealand and Scotland. We got to talk about the incident that happened here in Charleston a little over a week ago where uh, a, a, a suspect pulled out. He got into a dispute up at uh, Vista View Apartments, pulled yes. out an AR-15. And so there was a child's graduation party or something going on. And I, I fired a couple of shots, didn't hit anybody. But a woman in the crowd who was legally carrying a handgun pulled her handgun out yes. and shot him dead. Yes, and I think people missed the point on that. People are saying, well, see, this was what happens when you have a good guy with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun. But that usually doesn't happen. This was extremely lucky for those people and for her. She's lucky he didn't see her and shoot her first. But the point is, he still had an AR-15. If she wasn't there, we would have been talking about possibly another Uvalde. If you're, you know, handicapping this and the, the, the margins stay similar in the state legislature, are we likely to see any handgun legislation or I issues passed to address this? Maybe on mental health or, or uh, red flag laws or anything? Or do you just think this is going to be an issue that's going to get debated and not passed? 
pass in any uh, way. Yeah, I think I think we have a slight chance of maybe a red flag or mental health, but uh, I'm not counting on it. I don't I don't think that the uh, Republicans are going to stray from the party line on this. I think they're going to. Uh, the gun lobby is very very powerful, and I think they're going to to bend to it. Yeah, here as well as in Washington, the gun power uh, lobby is very powerful all over the country. Now, let's switch subjects and talk to something near and dear to your heart, the gas tax. <laughs> Governor Justice kind of teased the public a little bit in the press this week, suggesting in his Monday briefing that he might be inclined to lower the state's gasoline tax that he had opposed when you guys first proposed it back in April. And then come Wednesday, he said he was going to announce details of his plan and basically shot the whole thing down. He said there is not going to be a gas tax holiday in West Virginia. It's a waste of time and money. That money's better spent on road maintenance and repairs. So your thoughts on that? You were one of the chief proponents of cutting the gas tax or suspending it. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd love to see them if they spent the road, on, uh, the money on the roads. But, you know, we're not seeing that around here. The roads are still pretty bad, although they did they did pave one street in my area just the other day. But the, the fact is that, yes, we went on back in April and said, let's give the people a break. Let's cut this tax. And I think the governor is just playing politics that because the Democrats are the ones that are behind this and we were going to take credit for it, he will not have anything to do with it. And it's just going to hurt the people. And now they're saying, oh, it's not going to help that much. It's only 35 cents or whatever out of five dollars. Well, that's that's something. And, uh, you know, you put ten dollars in, you put 10, 10 gallons in. That's three and a half bucks coming back. Not a lot, but it's it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, it's an interesting issue. We'll see the gas prices hit five dollars a gallon here this week. Some folks think they're going to hit six. Maybe there'll be a change of heart if it gets that high. We want to thank Delegate Jim Barrick, a, a Democrat <laughs> who is in now in District 36, but you're running in dist the new District 53 against yes. Republican Chris Pritt, also an incumbent that we had on last week. So equal time. Good to see you, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, Always Jim. great. And thank you for watching Inside West Virginia Politics. Remember, we are a podcast, so download us from your favorite podcast vendor. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local, and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Star Media Group production hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.